Welcome back to Second Look. In this episode, our own Josh Preston interviews senior pastor George Robertson about George's new book on the Psalms titled Soul Anatomy, Finding Peace, Hope, and Joy in the Psalms. Well, hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of the Second Look podcast. My name is Josh Preston. I'm one of the pastoral residents here at Second Presbyterian Church. Also get the privilege of working uh, as a research assistant for our senior pastor, George Robertson. And I'm with him here today for a special episode on his new book, which is titled Soul Anatomy, Finding Peace, Hope, and Joy in the Psalms. So, George, thanks so much for taking the time to talk about this today. Thanks for having me. And I'll say right off the bat, this book wouldn't be in existence without you, Josh. You uh, you have really carried this over the finish line, so it's a it's a joy to talk about it with you in particular. Well, I've uh, immensely enjoyed the process, and I've learned uh, very much about the Psalms and their application for life and doing it. So it's been a uh, an enriching process for me from start to finish, for sure. I wonder if we could start if you could just tell us a little bit maybe about where the idea for the book came from and kind of what compelled you to write it. I, um, I have had the privilege of preaching through the Psalms on two occasions. Uh, um, I preached through the Psalms in uh, St. Louis originally back in the late 90s. Uh, it took about three years to to go through every psalm, and I did that morning and evening, and it was just a, one of the greatest delights of my life. Uh, and <clears throat> living through living through the psalms as well as preaching through them, and 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 that experience was so rich. Not only preaching through the psalms, but after each sermon, someone would come up and say, that is my psalm. And they have a, they had a story to tell about how the Lord had used that psalm in their lives. Um, and so I really grieved when I finished preaching through, through them. So I wanted to do it again. And when I, when I got to Augusta, I preached through the psalms in evening services. Now that took a lot longer because I was only, I didn't preach every week and I didn't preach morning and evening on the Psalms, but I preached through them again. Uh, and I, it would be, it's on my, uh, it's on my bucket list to preach through one more time, but maybe my preaching is going to be, uh, in part through this book. But, uh, I, I wanted to, I wanted somehow to get, the the joy and the ministry of those psalms across to other people. So I started collecting the the sermons I'd preached on those psalms into into topics that have to do with the soul. Uh, and uh, because I I struggle with anxiety and depression myself, I started with a collection that uh, particularly 
that have been particularly helpful to me in that struggle. Yeah. So you talk a little bit, George, about wanting to aim these songs, particularly at the soul. And uh, that's one of the things that's always been intriguing to me as I've read through the book is the title, Soul Anatomy. It, at first glance, can seem a little bit counterintuitive. Um, I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about where that comes from and kind of the meaning behind it. Yeah. The, the title comes from a, a phrase that John Calvin uses in his preface to his commentary on the Psalms. And in that preface, uh, Calvin gives us a rare biographical, autobiographical insight into his life. Calvin rarely talks about himself, but <clears throat> he shares his testimony. He, he at least alludes to, to his coming to Christ and then uh, says that the Psalms were uh, instrumental in that conversion and the Psalms have been, had been uh, critically important to uh, his, his survival as a Christian. And he said, because in the Psalms, we find an anatomy of all parts of the soul. And, and what he means by that is that there is, there is no human emotion that is not captured in the Psalms. There's no soul struggle or soul ecstasy. Uh, that is not captured in the Psalms. The, the Psalm explores it all, the, the, the whole range of human emotion and human experience. And um, uh, John Calvin, who, uh, like many uh, church fathers, uh, struggled intensely with depression and anxiety, dark nights of the soul, and the, the, the Psalms gave him vocabulary by which to express those emotions and those those battles and those those uh, internal struggles so so the uh, the title is uh, is really John Calvin's hmm. not a bad guy to go with well <laughs> you mentioned Calvin's own struggle with depression and anxiety one of the things I've always appreciated about your preaching, and particularly in this book, is that you're candid with your own struggle with depression and anxiety, um, and even how the Psalms have been a great help to you in those struggles. I wonder if you could say a little bit more about that. Yeah, I, I, uh, I had a severe battle with anxiety and depression as a grade schooler, starting really in the third grade, it, it eventuated into hospitalization by the time I was in the sixth grade. And then in a, in a rather dramatic way that I talk about in the, in the book, uh, the Lord saved me in the hospital, brought me to Christ. And, um, and so it, I continue to struggle at times with anxiety and depression, but I no longer struggle without hope. That was the difference in, uh, in before I came to Christ. And a major, a major resource for me uh, in whatever uh, particular soul struggle I'm having is the Psalms. Uh, 
and <clears throat> I've I've learned really from the from the example of other Christians and testimonies of Christians as they've as they shared their their stories with me while preaching through the Psalter. I've learned it's real it's important to identify some go-to psalms, some rescue psalms for different situations. Um, when I'm afraid of, I'm afraid of an enemy. I, I, I'm, I go to Psalm 14, Psalm 53. When I, when I'm overwhelmed with my sin, it's it's Psalm 51 or Psalm, um, uh, Psalm 32. Uh, when I'm when I'm uh, when I have a, a physical uh, or health struggle, I'm I'm in Psalm 34. So. Uh, I've I found that that's, it's it's really important to have your medicine cabinet stocked with um, a few go-to psalms, and uh, you can go out from there. But you you need to it's really helpful to know where to go immediately. I I was just thinking I, I don't I don't think I shared this anywhere in the book, but the but uh, when I came to Psalms six and seven preaching through that of course came very early in the first series i realized i i had to as a matter of obedience tell my congregation about my struggle with depression and i had never done that before and it it really was a battle for me it was a it was a deep battle i, I remember just agonizing over having to go into the pulpit that morning because it was such a, a deep source of shame for me. I know it shouldn't be. I've always told people they shouldn't be ashamed of uh, the way they're constituted or the cross the Lord has given them. But it was for me. And, but uh, I knew it was a matter of obedience to talk about it. And it, it really opened up uh, worlds of ministry with my people because I, they suddenly started sharing openly with me theirs, and and then I, I learned certainly through the preaching of the rest of the Psalter. There's there was lots more, many more occasions to talk about depression and anxiety because uh, it was David's constant experience. So it's been a it's um, preaching through the Psalms, studying the Psalms has has really been a healing process for me. Uh, not only because of what it's taught me about the Lord, but because of the way it's bonded me with God's people. That's a powerful testimony, George. For those of you interested in the book, that shows up in chapter three, a, a chapter titled Deliverance from Depression, based on Psalm chapter six. And George, as I listen to you talk about that struggle of receiving healing from the Psalms and your own battle with wanting to be transparent with your people as you preach through them. I can't help but connect it in my mind uh, to another theme that you touch on in the book, and, and that is uh, how we see Jesus in the Psalms. You know, you've taught us as you preach to preach through Exodus that, you know, Jesus is in every page of Scripture. Uh, and the Psalms are certainly no exception to that. You talk about how they, they could even be read as uh, the prayers of Jesus in advance. Um, 
that's probably the thing that I learned most from my read of the book. I wonder if you might could share a little bit more about what you mean by that. Yeah. In, in, um, in Hebrews chapter 10, uh, verse five, there's, um, there's a, a, a really interesting attribution of a quote, uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse five, uh, which is, uh, people are very familiar with this passage, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me with burnt offerings and sin offerings. You were not pleased. I said, here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I've come to do your will, O God. But before that quote is made by the writer of Hebrews, he introduces it this way. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said. Now, we don't have, uh, of course, none of the gospel writers tells us what uh, Jesus is saying on his way from heaven uh, to earth. Uh, and nowhere else in Jesus' earthly life does he say this. Well, this is a quote from Psalm 40, verses 6 and 7. So uh, the psalmist is, I mean, the, the, the writer of Hebrews is saying, what is recorded in Psalm 40 is actually what Jesus said. Um, likewise, you, you know, when Jesus is hanging on the cross, he doesn't say, as David said, uh, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He just says it. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He, these, are, these are taken as his words. So um, uh, theologians throughout and biblical preachers throughout church history have said these kinds of, of, um, of, of references in Scripture teach us that the Psalms were actually the prayers of Christ prayed through, written down by the psalmist. Uh, Andrew Bonar, for instance, says, he was the famous biographer of Robert Murray Machine. Andrew Bonar said, in the early ages, men full of the thoughts of Christ could never read the Psalms without thinking of their Lord. And, and uh, uh, others like uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer uh, would say similar things. And, and what, when I realized that early in studying the Psalms, it, it made a, a profound Im, uh, impression on me, and it has so on people, as I've, as I've shared this through the preaching of the Psalms as well, because what I say is that, is that if the, the Psalms are the anatomy of the soul, so there's every conceivable emotion, every conceivable soul struggle uh, is, is captured in the Psalms. And if the Psalms are the, are the words of Christ, the prayers Christ prayed through the Psalter, this is an, an overwhelming demonstration of what it meant for Christ to take up our condition. 
that he not only lived in our place in earth and, and did the things and experienced the things that we read about and that we observe visually in the, in the Gospels, but here is the record of his emotional struggles. And it shows that he really did become like us. And it explains more clearly than anything that uh, anything else that that when when the writer of Hebrews says that we have a high priest who can sympathize with our weakness because he was tempted or tried or tested in every point as we are yet without sin. Well, this the Psalter really makes that point. He was tested in every conceivable way as we are, not only externally, but internally. So to, to read the Psalms, I mean, that was a breakthrough for me in my shame over depression. Uh, when, I, <clears throat> when I could read that, that Jesus uh, felt despair, that Jesus uh, complained to God, that, that, that Jesus uh, felt like the darkness was his closest friend, then I can't feel ashamed in the sense that it, it, it separates me from God. My Savior knows how I feel, and he felt it for me, and therefore my Savior can, can relieve me of, of any condition I'm in. Hmm. Appreciate you sharing that. That's helpful. So, you know, it seems to me that in your own battle with wanting to be transparent about your own struggles, you are really just following the example of Christ and opening up his own turmoil that he experienced in his time on earth uh, as a human being uh, and sharing that with us and allowing us to enter into that. Just an excerpt from this comes from chapter 21 along these same lines. You're right. Reading these words, we cannot help but appreciate that Christ experienced everything conceivable in order to be our perfect substitute. When you read the Psalms, you should grow in your confidence that Christ, by uniting himself to you, took up all your infirmities and carried all your sorrows. I wonder, George, just from a practical standpoint, uh, I know for me personally, and I would bet for a lot of others, especially in this season, We've probably been reading the Psalms a lot more than normal. Um, I wonder if you could give us maybe one or two tips about what questions we might be asking as we read to help us to see Jesus more clearly in the Psalms. Well, I, th- I think we, um, we start with the fact that Jesus did become a man. He, he, because, as the writer of Hebrews says, Jesus, because his brothers and sisters have flesh and blood, he took up flesh and blood, and uh, and and so he became a genuine human being. And 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 uh, so when we're looking at the Psalms, we we should look with expectation to say, okay, let's let's start with the presupposition that that Christ identified with everything that we, we hear expressed in this Psalm. He's a real human being. And, and then, and then as Alexander White 
was fond of saying, we need to use our sanctified imagination and, 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 and think of Jesus interceding for us still because as a human being, when Jesus ascended to heaven, uh, he, he, he left in his, his resurrected body, which was a genuine body. He could eat and drink and walk and, and, and kind of blended in with, uh, with the people around him. And he ascended to heaven, and the angel said, that's the same body with which he's going to return. So somewhere in God's reality, a human Jesus still exists with scars and with a memory of what his suffering felt like. And, and it is that human Jesus who prays for us and intercedes for us. And it's really helpful for me at times to, to pause long enough to, to remember that and then to say to Jesus, I know you know how this feels. And I know you know it was even worse for you um, because you didn't have sin mixed in and, and you were all alone. At least I have uh, friends and fellow believers. And so then to, to, to read the Psalms as, as the empathy of Jesus, the empathic expression of Jesus, and it convinces us all the more that this Jesus really does know how to help me and he knows how to pray for me. And he, above anyone else in the cosmos, can say to me, I know exactly how you feel. And, and yet do not lose hope. Hmm. That's powerful. I- you know, just thinking about our own experiences as people every day, it seems that much of the time we're struggling with something and we go to talk to someone about it. Less of it is looking for an answer and more of is it is it just waiting to hear the words, oh, you too? You know, I understand <laughs> exactly what you... Great point. Sense of normalcy. Well, um, George, I want to talk a little bit about um, for people who do read the book, um, just what you hope that they will get out of it as they read. I want to uh, tee you up with a couple thoughts that you mentioned in the introduction about what explains the, the staying power of the Psalms. Uh, talk about five different things. The Psalms invite us to understand ourselves and all our ups and downs in the light of God's true reality, increase our boldness in prayer, give voice to our deepest griefs, uh, as poetic expressions of the faith, they ground us in life-changing theology, and they also grow us in community. So as people read Soul Anatomy, what are, what are some of the things that you hope that they will take away? Well, I do, I do hope that, they, I do hope that they, they grow closer to Jesus, uh, not that they just uh, learn some beautiful poetry or wonderful prayers or, wow, these guys could really understand uh, where I am. They give, give voice to what I'm feeling. The, the, real, 
the real drive of the Psalter is to take us to the Messiah and the, the, what I've endeavored to do in, in every, in every chapter is to, is to lead people to Christ. Uh, so that's the, that's the major thing. And I think as we are, as we're able to find in Christ an empathic savior, um, a Jesus who is, who has all the, the the distinctions of divinity, who is equal in power and glory um, to uh, God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. He also, as Paul says in in Philippians two, took all took on himself all the distinguishing characteristics of a servant. Um, he didn't just act like a servant and just pretend to be a servant, imitate a servant. He, he became a servant. And so I hope that I hope by being drawn to an empathic savior, we become more empathetic believers. Uh, we, we are driven to, to try to really understand people uh, understand their struggles, understand their perspective. Um, and in understanding, we become those who help bear their burdens. In other words, there's just a lot of people today, it seems to me, telling other people how they ought to feel. And there, there, there's this tendency in among us as Christians, because we 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 love gaining knowledge, we think that we listen to people long enough to figure out what they're saying wrong, so that we can correct them. And uh, the the psalmist uh, really uh, there's there's not always there's not a lot of instruction. Always, it's it's. This is what is true about who I am, and this is what is true about God. And let me introduce you to Him because He's the one who helped me. Um, uh, it's 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 a pilgrimage. It's a it's a um, it, the uh, the psalmist is walking with us, and it's he's, they've got their arms around us, and they're saying, "Hey, I, I understand exactly how you feel." Look up here. Here is the here's the Savior who helped me. I think He can help you too. So I hope it not only builds our 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 conviction of an empathic Savior, but also makes us more empathetic as fellow believers. Hmm. On that note, one of the things that is helpful about the book um, at the end of each chapter are a number of discussion questions, so they can be read. Uh, in a group and discuss to, to take you deeper into understanding and to understand how others relate to these psalms and learn from them and see Jesus in them. They also include a template for prayer so that you can write out your own prayer and learn to relate to the Lord just as the psalmist does. Um, so lots of benefits from walking through these psalms with these guides along with them. If 
those interested in, in purchasing and reading the book, there's an opportunity to do so at the, uh, the bookmark. And there's also more information online at 2PC.org where you can learn more about soul anatomy. George, thanks so much for joining us to talk about this today. Thank you, Josh. And um, thank you for those discussion questions and outline for prayer at the end of the, the, the outlines for prayer are really your genius. And um, I want the, list, the listeners to know that. And uh, real fun talking to you today, too. Thanks. Hope you all have a great week.